uh, let's get going. Uh, thanks for coming. This is uh, planning a panel. So the idea of the seminar is to hear from uh, from Devon and from Ben. These guys are two different, serving in two different contexts, uh, but with, with the same goals. And so we've got. A, I've got a few general questions to try and tease out some things for them, and then really it's, it's interactive. So it's entirely conversations from the couch. Conversations from the couch. There you go. <laughs> so what? Why don't we begin our pray, and then what we'll do is give us just give everybody a little window of who you are and where you serve and how long you've been there. So just describe your context so it gives them, uh, and then yeah. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to be together. Thank you for uh, the wisdom that you've given them and Ben in the way that they're serving their churches and their Lord, we pray that we'd be able to drill down into some of that wisdom this afternoon to be able to serve the churches that we have the privilege of, of serving. Lord, we pray for wisdom for the guys to know what to share. We pray for uh, our hearts to be open to, to um, learn so that we might be better equipped to serve your people. Lord, ultimately our goal is uh, not to be better uh, leaders just so that we receive the glory and we build our own reputations and we uh, think more highly of ourselves and think but Lord, we want to see Christ worshipped more faithfully, mm -hmm. more, mm -hmm. more wonderfully, more deeply. Uh, and so Lord, we pray that you'd use all that is said and done in this uh, this next hour of it to uh, bring glory to your name uh, through your church. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Ben, why don't you go show first? Because uh, the prince should always be first. I'm 50%. 50 you are 50%. Percent. Uh, hi, I'm Ben Slee. I work at Christchurch Main Fair. I'm a music person uh, there. Uh, I've been there for four years. Um, so we're right in the middle of London. Uh, our church, there's about there's two services and about 300 or something people across both services. Uh, we've got a lot of sort of 18 to 35, so students and young professionals. Uh, got a few young families. Uh, not many over the age of about 60, so we're like the opposite demographic to most of the country because people come to the city uh, to, to work at first, to, to study. Um, so, married to Sarah, we're expecting our first baby, which is a little girl, in just over a month. So, yeah, exciting. I'm Devin, um, I am married to my wife Christine, we have four kids. 10, 8, 6, and 4. And, um, no, 10, 8, 6, and 3. She's almost 4. And, uh, uh, been, I serve as pastor at Grace Church of Clarksburg, Maryland, uh, just outside D.C. And, um, we've been there for three and a half years. And, uh, I serve as the other pastor. There's one guy who planted the church five years ago. And, uh, I came on a year and a half into it. And, uh, I lead singing. I preach pretty regularly. And, um, I play all our Sunday services, and uh, we're about 130 people on a Sunday, um, and uh, it's just been a joy being there. That's been wonderful, uh, helping work Christ along people virtually as as we gather together each week. And uh, prior to that, I was at in Louisville for two years, two and a half years at Southern Seminary doing my master's, and uh, and over the previous, I guess it's been about 16 years now that I've been involved in leading. Planning, leading, congregational, singing. Mm -hmm. So, great. a little bit about me. Excellent. Thank you. So, the, the whole seminar is about planning us in these services. So, just um, Devin, why don't you kick off and give us an idea of the kind of the the, the structure of the service in your church and how 
and then we're sent out with the blessing from God, so the benediction. And so this this arc was really really helpful, really formative. Um, I've heard so that's that was Brian Chapel, uh, good uh, good friend of mine. He uh, Matt Boswell. He talks about um, God, man, Christ response as kind of the framework that he he'll use to plan, and I think that's a that's a helpful framework, a little bit more simple, straightforward. And uh, so we want to see God. We want to recognize who we are as sinful humanity. Uh, we want to see Jesus Christ and what He's done for us, and we want to respond. It was interesting as navigating, as we were navigating all this stuff uh, related to Sovereign Grace music. Sovereign Grace music, we were always known for writing really gospel-rich songs, and uh, it was a gift. We sang a lot about the cross, and so that's that's what we want to proclaim: the glories of Jesus Christ uh, and what He's done for us. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. But one thing that would happen is we would sing a song and it would kind of go all the way through the gospel. I mean, it would kind of be all the way from God to our response. God made Christ's response before we're all the way through. And then we go to the next song and we would go back to the beginning and we would do the same thing again. And so every song kind of tended to proclaim the entirety of the gospel. <laughs> and um, which is, I mean, it's a wonderful thing. You want this to be dwelling in us richly. But with chapel influence and uh, for our conversations like no we need we need to have songs and elements in our service that are just proclaiming part of that story and what our service really in its entirety we want that to be proclaiming the gospel and so we've sought to write more songs that do those things um, so whether it be adoration or confession or assurance or thanksgiving it's kind of focusing in one area and so I, as I plan I look for songs that do that um, as I read, I look for, for scriptures that help us articulate those things. Uh, so that's a lot of philosophical stuff. That's great. Um, I do want to say one other thing, just because I care deeply about this. Related to the songs that we sing, uh, and being at our church. So I've been there three and a half years, and this is the first church that I've led at really every week, or playing the service every week. And that uh, that's different than then every now and then ever monthly and um, going into it I've and being in this world uh, of, of service planning and songwriting uh, going into it I thought like we would do a lot of songs and um, we do far fewer songs than I thought we would year over year so I'm talking about like the, the hymnal of our church even though we don't have a printed hymnal the hymnal of our church is far smaller than I would have anticipated and uh there have been two thoughts that really have informed that. And so again, this is kind of philosophically. One is, um, I want to give songs that help people die well. And suffering and death are reality of our, our life. And uh, I want to prepare people for those times. And you interact with, um, go into, go into a, a senior living home, and you'll have patients there, people, individuals there, who are, are suffering from dementia, and can articulate very little, but you can get them singing. And also songs, Ian and I were talking about this yesterday. You, they'll sing songs. And so the question then became for me, what songs am I putting in people's hearts uh, that are gonna carry them through? What truth are they gonna be uh, preserving? Um, so that was one category. And the other category was just, I want to be singing songs that equip and uh, serve the entirety of my congregation. Um, so we've got, uh, our children in there during our time of singing and I've got Mike who's in his he's almost 80 and he has Parkinson's 
And um, so I think about my six-year-old Knox, and I think about Mike, and I, I'm asking myself, like, do we have songs each week that are familiar enough that they're going to be able to engage, um, that are simple enough that they're going to be able to understand? And uh, that's been very, very helpful for me. Um, and so both in the songs we sing, but then also just how we articulate the truth we're, we're proclaiming. Um, we can get to, uh, uh, I don't, there's this kind of idea of God's word, God's revelation to us. Um, it's like music, where there's this melody line that's very simple, and anyone can understand. And that's, I mean, it's the glory of Jesus Christ, that, that Jesus died for us. The holy God came as man, died, took on our, paid our debt for sins, and, and rose again. It's a simple melody line. And my five-year-old, my six-year-old can understand that. Uh, but then there's there's harmony that Scripture presents as well that is incredibly uh, deep and complex and beautiful. And uh, that's something we can appreciate as well. But I want to make sure that melody line is always very clear. So, I don't know if you talk way too much, I'm sorry. I mean, it was all good. <laughs> it was great. So I, I tried to leave a little bit there for you. Cheers, man. I'll, I'll pick out those little bits. No, it's great. I, I would totally share that philosophy. I think my journey's been quite similar in that uh, when I started playing, I think I thought thematically as well. So I'm thinking, right, today's passage from the, from the preacher is, is on judgment. So, uh, oh, what are we going to sing? I haven't got enough songs about judgment, uh, um, or whatever it, yeah, whatever it is. Um, and every, I used to kind of think, okay, every song, because because we want the words to enter rich with you. Okay, great. So I'll I'll pick all the songs on that theme, um, which, as I say, it can get tricky when it's on a tricky theme on judgment. It can get tricky if you're in a book for you know a year uh, and you move slowly through something. Um, uh, but, but the thing that really yeah, changed my thinking is reading a couple of things. One of them was the same book, um, Christ Censored Worship, which is really great. And what he does is looks back at uh, how people have planned services in church history, all the way back to even before the Reformation. And he sees this common pattern that everyone was talking about with God, um, us, Christ, response, um, or um, adoration, confession, um, assurance. Um, that was really eye-opening for me. The other book I found very helpful was um, Mike Cosper's book called The Rhythms of Grace. Um, he does something kind of similar, actually. Uh, and it, it's, it's how the, the, the pattern of, of gathered worship can tell the story of the gospel. That's the kind of big thing. Um, when, when we come to the New Testament, what we don't find is an example service order from the first church set up uh, and uh, it doesn't say and in Acts you know, they were all gathered and this is the songs they sang and how they did them and what liturgy they had and things like that um, but neither do we have a blank page when we come to these things which I think is a really good place to be it's quite a freeing place to be actually uh, we're not so prescribed we have freedom because if the church is as we heard this morning this, this missional outpost of the new creation then it needs to, be, it needs to go to the whole world and it's going to look different in different contexts, so it will look slightly different for you guys, as it will for Devon and for me and for Nathan. And for, um, but we don't start with a blank sheet of paper. Um, one, there's a whole bunch of stuff we, we've got to do. Uh, we've got to preach the word, um, we've got to pray, we've got to administer the, the sacraments, Lord's Supper and Baptism. Uh, we're going to sing. There's a whole bunch of stuff in here um, that we, we kind of want to do and plan, should do and, and we're told to do. 
Um, but also, you're not coming to uh, your church uh, with n- nothing on the table. So there'll be songs that they'll know and not know. There'll be certain practices they'll be used to or not used to. Um, so each week, uh, I want to show the pattern of the gospel through the way that the service is structured. Uh, but uh, I'm not just going to like, oh, this song's perfect, but no one knows it. Uh, okay. Um, we've never, ever done a confession. I'm just going to throw one in and not explain it. Uh, not great ideas. Um, so uh, the way that Brian Chapler, I think what you can tell me if I'm wrong, uh, articulates that. He says there's a tension between necessity and capacity. Necessity is what the people need. They need the word and they need to see uh, that clearly through the shape of the service. And capacity is what they can take. You know, think of it with sermons. People need the word. Um, so why don't we preach for three and a half hours? Because the capacity of the people wasn't quite there, probably, for most of us. Um, so it, things like that. Uh, how long do you preach for? How many songs do you do? Um, do you use what we call liturgy? Um, so you know, the things that are prayed together or said together that are reminders of the gospel. Um, so we're not coming with this blank sheet of paper. Um, we're coming with... Uh, what we see in scripture, we're coming from what we see in church history, and we're coming from what is in our church's recent story, and what we're, we're used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that actually is affected a lot by who you have in the congregation. Um, in the previous church I served in, uh, it was the opposite demographic, as I said, <coughs> to, to where we are now. And so we sang old hymns, some of which, uh, most of which in the original language, um, we had uh, well, they uh, <laughs> old, old English, these and that is what I mean. I don't mean like Greek. They weren't that old. <laughs> yeah. um, and now uh, we, uh, our church now, we'll sing perhaps more contemporary songs. Uh, we sing hymns, but we've got lots of international students and we've got lots of young people, so we sometimes adapt the language of the old hymns. Um, it's those, and those decisions are all made by <coughs> how am I going to get this word into these people? And that will look different for everyone because you've got different people. So start with, say what Devin was saying, you want the word of Christ to find people richly. That's our kind of theology. That shapes the principles of, okay, therefore, um, looking at who we've got, we need to think about things this way, and then that will shape the practice as to what songs you actually end up singing mm-hmm. and, and what bits of liturgy you actually do. I think that's a really, really good point because when we get to preaching, we can think about that we're preaching for the people that are in front of us, but we don't necessarily think the same way that as a first impulse when we're planning services. We just think we're planning in sort of a vacuum, but actually to think about names and faces and people that are going to be in the service is important. I think that's great. Um, we'll carry on, back to you. Yeah. <laughs> you want to say? The, uh, <laughs> Uh, I mean, on that point, knowing knowing your people, it's uh, when we're the church is particular in its nature. It's a particular group of people gathered in a particular place at a particular point in time, and we've got to be very cognizant of that reality as we as we um, plan as we continue to serve serve these people. One of the things that I'm sure my dad is sharing up there right now, and his arranging to serve your congregation is so you don't feel left out not being up there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that uh, he'll talk about is, is even in how, how we accompany the songs that we sing and, and the types of songs that we do. It's, uh, we're, we're serving these people. So when I hear a song 
And I think, no, this is this is something that I want to introduce to my church. I don't need to be thinking, oh, now we need, I need to do it this way. And so we need to have this accompaniment. And uh, in the States right now, a big thing is like people have, they do multi-tracks and loops. And I mean, get everything <coughs> in there. It's like, no, you don't need all that stuff. Like what we need is people's voices. Mm-hmm. That's what we need. Uh, what we need is the, the word of Christ, this, this glorious truth that we have to proclaim. That's what we need. And everything else, it can be a help. But mm-hmm. that's all. That's that's what we need. That's what we want to do. Yeah. So. Do you want to just because I, I want to get to questions for these yeah. guys? We scratch our itches, but just give us a, a rundown of your of, of how you what your service looks like, yeah. and then the different elements that are involved, and then also to just thinking about how the word talking about the, the importance of the word earlier in the, in the main mm-hmm. session. But that's not just limited to preaching, mm-hmm. although that's essential. But how are you making sure that the is woven through what you're doing as well. Go first. Yeah, sure. So I'm I'm not a preacher at our church, and that's probably the case for some of us here. Um, so uh, my process is uh, I know what the passage is going to be most of the time. Uh, so I'll go to the passage and I'll spend time reading something and learning that what that passage is about for myself, um, uh, which is great spiritually. Um, but also means I'm kind of I'm understanding more of the passage myself. I'm reading some commentaries and stuff to just get my head into okay, what does this mean? Um, and just learning learning about it that way. Uh, and I'll probably have a go. Sometimes it comes quite naturally. Uh, and with this shaping around the gospel shape, uh, I think it sometimes comes uh, easier in the Old Testament when you've got the narrative passage because it's those kind of one major point that it works through or and it's different in an epistle uh, letter in the New Testament it's different in the Gospels it's, uh, but I'm looking <coughs> to the passage working out what, what this passage is about uh, because the word is at the centre and then I'm going straight away having as early as I can a conversation with the preacher it might just be that the preacher has chosen to emphasise a different point in this passage that is true and good and there but not what I picked up so it's quite useful to chat to them um, uh, they don't always know exactly what they're going to say but that's okay uh, they, they can give me a bit of help, um, and then I'm thinking, okay, what we, what, what, what are our church family used to? If we're teaching people patterns of uh, engaging with God through the gospel when we shape service. Um, so, uh, if you want a, a quick example, of what we might do, um, we start. We've actually started doing in the last year or so, starting with a call to worship. We just found that if you come straight into the first song, completely cold, people aren't there. Uh, and you know, the, in the morning service, I think I've just got the kids uh, in the church, which is, yeah, I, I'm probably going to discover soon, it's quite a big deal. And everyone's headed, yeah, where is it? Yeah, the tube's been delayed, and, you know, it, or whatever it is, or yeah, it's not over their coffee, or whatever it is. So people's heads are, I want to praise you, Lord, often. Sometimes they are, which is wonderful. So starting with a call to worship is. is as Bob said earlier, um, reminding us that worship is a response. And we start with a verse of scripture. I'm going to do one in a minute in the next session. Uh, show you an example. Um, slightly from morning and evening. Uh, morning is slightly more formal, so we'll sing a song to start with. We'll have a, a children's time before they go out to their activities. Um, then when we're back together, all the adults, we, we um, normally have a, a confession and assurance. Um, we always have a confession every single service. That's a, a rule that um, our senior minister has for us, which I think is just very healthy because 
uh, it's, it's a good thing for the Christian life to be repenting of our sins and uh, being assured of grace. Um, so it's something we do together every time. Uh, you don't have to do that. Just say. And then we'll normally sing two songs after that that, that tie in uh, with that. Then, then we have um, prayers, uh, reading the scripture, the certain passage. We'll, we'll normally have the Lord's Supper there if we do, which we do one in four ish, and then we have a final song. Uh, evening, slightly different, slightly more informal. So we'll have calls to worship, we'll have normally a block of four songs with, with a confession and assurance somewhere in the middle of that, because that allows us to have, have this shape as we move through songs um, and, and through the, the liturgy. Uh, then we have uh, prayers and notices and things like that, reading the sermon and the final song. Um, sometimes we'll have two after the sermon, uh, that would be pretty on point, because uh, you want the word that's been preached to join richly, you don't want to take away from that by singing. Um, so uh, here's a really quick example I can show I can find. Um, we're in Ephesians at the moment. Um, so uh, let me just see if I can just find one for here. So we're, we're in Ephesians 2 a couple of weeks ago, uh, 1 to 10. Um, and uh, I'll see if I can find what I did. Um, do you want to chat while I'm finding this? That's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we we do many similar things to, to Ben. Um, I uh, was telling somebody earlier today. One thing I'll often share at the beginning of our service, and this is how I think about what what how I plan even is we gather each week to be reoriented to reality. And so for the Christian, there's nothing more fundamentally real. There's there's nothing more real than God in the existence of God. And the fact that God is triune Father, Son, and Spirit. And for all time past and all time in the future, He experiences fellowship within that Godhead. And because of this relationship that He has among Himself and, and the love for Himself and uh, the glory in Himself, all of that pours out uh, to us, and we get to participate in that. And so it's like, I want, I want people to, I don't, I'm not highlighting all of that every week. But I want to engage people with and confront people with, this is what's really real. And so all week long, there are burdens and cares and situations that are seeking to define us. They're seeking to define our affections. They're seeking to define our thoughts, um, seeking to define our actions, and seeking to be, to, to be presented in our lives as, no, this is what really matters. This is what's really important. And we gather together each week, and even we go to God's Word each day, uh, to be reminded, no, this is really real. Um, and so for planning purposes, I start with God's Word. I want to be Word-driven in my planning, not so much song-driven. And again, I, it's not sinful to be song-driven, um, but I, I, I want to be guided and driven by God's Word. And so I spend a lot of time in the Psalms, just every day I want to spend time in the Psalms. And um, oftentimes we'll begin with a call to worship from the Psalms. And so call to worship might be uh, we, we gather together and um, I, I tell people hey, each, each week welcome to Grace Church, each week we gather together to be reoriented to reality to be reminded of what's really real and, uh, and so we, we want to come in with the awareness that, that God is risen and he's reigning, he's on his throne and so listen to the word of God as I read from uh, wherever, Psalm 99 and uh, seek to communicate one thing, communicate clearly. And then once I have that scripture for the call to worship, then I'll 
I'll think, well, what should we sing in response to that? And uh, so my, that's, I choose a song there. So we start with call to worship, have a song. Um, maybe we'll do two songs there, maybe not. The, normally the next component of our liturgy, so liturgy just being the flow of our service, is um, some type of confession, and that could be through a song. A lot of times it's through a song. And so a song that in some way acknowledges our weakness, our sin, our inability to save ourselves. Um, so that could be something like, uh, there's a hymn, a modern hymn, not in me, no list of sins I have not done, no list of virtues I pursue, um, no list of those I am not like, hinder myself, a place of you. Oh God, be merciful to me. And so something that's, that's confession, that's confessing that I can't save myself. And uh, so we might say something like that. Sometimes we do a, uh, a corporate reading, sometimes it might be a prayer of confession, Try to do different things in there. Um, so we'll do that. Uh, sometime in that kind of initial, we have the call to worship, but then pretty soon thereafter, we're going to have a more extended scripture reading. Um, there's nothing more important than, nothing, there's nothing better that can be said than what God has said in his word already. And uh, I, my words are not inspired, uh, but God's word is. And so we want to read scripture. And so typically we'll have scripture reading that goes in line with where we what we've been singing about. Um, and I would typically try and draw that from the opposite testament of what we're going to be preaching from. Uh, just the whole of God's word is inspired. And uh, so that can just help, help orient people to this reality. And like God has stuff to say to us throughout this book, not just in this book that we're preaching from right now. Um, so right now we're in Exodus. So normally that scripture reading has been from a gospel or, uh, or from an epistle. Um, generally that's the case. I also think about the genre, the scripture genre as well. So if I'm doing the, sometimes I'll do call to worship from Isaiah. It has a lot of wonderful places to go. So maybe we're in Isaiah there. And, um, so then I'll go somewhere else for that scripture reading. Kind of think about it that way. So we've got call to worship, song, some type, song or two. Confession is in there. Scripture reading typically conveys assurance in some way. Um, and then we'll sing again. So normally we're singing four or five songs in that time. One thing we've started doing recently is receiving our offering during that time. So after assurance and after we normally sing a song, um, I'll briefly introduce our offering and, uh, and, and just say, it like as a continuation of our worship, uh, God is so worthy that, that we give him our, our mouths as we sing. We want to give him our thoughts. Another expression of our worship is giving our money. And uh, we are confessing and acknowledging that he alone is worthy to be praised with all that we have. And so as we sing this next song, we're going to receive the offering. Um, something like that. Pray. And, uh, and then after that, we'll normally have a, a pastoral prayer. And uh, so that's an extended prayer, normally five to eight minutes, I would say. And uh, normally, I'm, normally we're praying through scripture. So it might, it's kind of scripture-guided prayer. Um, last week I prayed from Psalm 34. Just kind of would read a section and let that inform our our prayer as a church, our corporate prayer, and uh, that's that's praying for needs in our congregation. That's praying for our witness as a congregation. Um, uh, that's that's praying for the word that's about to be preached, and uh, and and praying for other, we always pray for other churches in our area. We pray pray for the persecuted church regularly. So those kinds of things. That's extended time of prayer, and we don't make any apologies for that. I mean, we're we are ordinary people expecting 
God to do extraordinary things and uh, and supernatural things, and because He is God, and so we pray. I mean, nowhere else there. I'm not gonna do that anywhere. No other social club does that, and we are much more than a social club, mm-hmm. and so we're gonna pray. And uh, so we do that, and then the word is preached. Um, we're moving towards right now. We're about one in four with the Lord's Supper, and we're moving towards every week, and. Um, uh, just as another way to symbolically uh, proclaim the word, and that's uh, something God's God's given us. And I can talk a long time about that, but I won't. I'll spare you. <laughs> uh, and uh, word preach, Lord's Supper. Uh, we'll normally have a song of response, and then <clears throat> end with benediction. So it's a lot of scripture. Yeah, a lot of scripture there. Great. A lot of prayer. Uh, and, 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 and our service is only about an hour and fifteen, an hour and twenty, mm-hmm. on the long side, an hour and a half. Do you want to pay compliments? Yeah. So this is actually a service on Isaiah chapter 6 uh, that I found a while ago. So uh, it kind of the start of Isaiah 6 starts with this glory of God. God is a holy, glorious God. So you're probably familiar. He's highly exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of the throne filled the temple. Above him, the seraphim, each with six wings, with two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of its glory. At the sound of the voice of the doorpost and threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, Isaiah cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is taken for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send that he will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. So you're reasonably familiar. Um, that's the passage for today. Now, what we want is, when the preacher stands up to preach this word, I want people's hearts to be thinking and feeling rightly towards this truth. Um, and thinking and feeling in the categories of this passage so that the preacher stands up and feels like they're filling that up already. Almost like we've had... It's, probably too strong to say this, but almost like we've had an exposition of the passage through the way the service moves. So here's kind of what we did. Uh, Adoration. We start with adoration because God is holy and glorious so we sang holy, holy, holy. That's really the obvious choice, wasn't it? Um, But then what happens next is Isaiah cries, woe to me, I am ruined um, because he's unclean and he's near a holy God. So uh, we sang, come thou fount of every blessing. So you might know that prayer to one Lord, I feel it, prayer to sort of recognition uh, of, of our uncleanness before holy God. And then we had a corporate confession of sin. Um, and it goes something like, um, Lord, as we gaze upon your holiness, we're left, de- we're left devastated by our sinfulness. Um, and it goes on, this, and yet, uh, using the language of Hebrews 10, uh, it's, it's, yet we come boldly to you because of the blood of your Son, who has forgiven us our sins. Um, and it helps, it helps to draw near to, to you in faith. Then we sang... Um, because here the seraphim has a coal in his hand uh, and in my reading of the passage and speaking to the preacher we realise that um, the coal has come from the altar which means a sacrifice has been made and therefore he's cleansed um, and so we sang before the throne of God above and uh, Mount of Sorrows hills of Mount of Sorrows and we read from Hebrews 10 um, since uh, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus uh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw into God. Um, uh, then we had uh, reading in certain things, and at the end, 
we had a great goddess highest heaven uh, as a where Isaiah is, is going, oh, here am I, send me. And so let no vice of sin remain over to show the war. Use, use my life um, for your glory. So you see, we're moving through the passage, and when a preacher stands up to preach on this passage, they've, people have been sitting in that, that truth, in, in the, the way that the, the scripture's talking about our sin, and the way that it's talking about Christ and the cross, and the way that it's talking about God uh, for how long he sent for beforehand. So we're saying if we do have the Lord's Supper, we wouldn't do a confession because you're confessing us in trust. As far as I'm aware, I think we trust that when we confess our sins, God is faithful and forgives us our sins. Uh, so we don't do that twice. We just do it once, either as part of the Lord's Supper history or earlier in the service. But that, that we, we do. That. <coughs> One thing um, I think as, and you're articulating as well, but as we plan and as we lead, because I'm sure some of you function as a service leader in some capacity, um, our role is to be connecting the dots for people. So we can have this framework of, of presenting the gospel and you can sit in a service that is presenting the gospel yeah. and you feel like you get like kind of like liturgical whiplash. <laughs> <laughs> and our, our role is to connect the dots for people. Yeah. Um, and so whatever I need to do, and I want to do that as simply and as clearly as possible, mm-hmm. but whatever I can do to take people from here to here I want to be able to do. And um, that doesn't mean I need to preach a sermon between these two songs or these two elements. Um, I just want to help people. We just sang this, and now we're, we're going here. So like, what would actually make, make these two things make sense next to each other? That, that's really helpful. And for a number of us, that may not be us doing those bits. Um, yeah. So here's how I think about that. So when I'm playing the service, I, I give people a kind of God... Christ response. I give people a sentence, and everyone who's involved in the service musicians, prayers, readers, preachers all see that. So uh, it has one sentence I mean, God, God is holy, uh, we are unclean and can't approach him. Through Christ, the sacrifice has been offered that we might come near, we draw near with faith, and then send, you know, something like that. Uh, and then for the service leaders, I then email them, and they're often the church elders or other members of staff if it's not me. Sometimes it's me, uh, sometimes it's not. And I emailed them and said, thank you for, thank you for leading the service. Here's some, here's some helps to guide you and help us connect the dots. Um, if it is us, I'll try and use phrases. Like at the start of the service, if I'm reading a scripture or, or part of a verse, if I'm needing a, an assurance that's based on, on the passage, I might say something like, um, the scripture that is guiding our worship together this evening says this. So people are thinking, oh, there's, a, there's something that's actually informing all these things and linking these things together. Um, we'll we'll hear in our passage tonight and and joining those dots is really helpful but whether that's us or someone else Mm -hmm. uh, we can help reach people Um. Okay. any further comments that you want to make before we go to the probably depends on how good the questions are (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no pressure (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we'll open it up so go ahead just the first time you ask a question, just introduce yourself so we know who you are and then feel free to just pose them. Yeah. Hi, I'm Dave Gobbett from Highfields Church in Cardiff. Um, we've got a, a quite diverse congregation, um, so uh, tons of students, loads of people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and 60s, 70s, and 80s. So um, one of the things that you know, I've preached on, on gathered worship and, and on the kind of horizontal dimensions, one another, the dividing ones are broken down. I've, I've used the analogy of in our services, we, you know, 
some of us love Radio 2, some of us love Classic FM, some of us Radio 4, some Radio 1. And you, you know, we, I want to avoid an 8am service for oldies and a student service at 6pm. I could easily do that and keep everybody happy, but I would feel that I'm not keeping the Apostle Paul and Ephesians too happy, and you know, the Lord has inspired them to write that. Any advice, I, I recognise maybe both of your congregations are a bit younger than the spread that I'm working with, but any tips on how we serve the diversity within our congregations? And say we, I think you, you were talking before about trying to encourage our churches to be more diverse. So, so that's generationally, but you know, say we're trying to reach the you know, 20 scheme types, say we're trying to re reach um, kind of people from other countries. Um, who, whose musical interests are vastly different from the Gettys or Sovereign Grace or, or the Bella Hill Song Contest, which we all know and love and are kind of the centre, but any tips on that regard? That's a great question. Um, I think uh, one place that I, would, uh, that I start in both my thinking and in my conversations is Philippians 2. And our call as Christians is to consider the interests of others more important than our own. Yeah. And uh, when it comes to the gathered church, that thought is so far from most Christians' minds. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that's something that needs to be embodied by us. And so it's, I, I want to cultivate an environment, or one guy articulated, where it's like, I've got the 80-year-old coming in and saying, hey, can we have more drums? Like, can you turn the drums up? <laughs> um, because I know that serves these other people. Um, and you have the 25-year-old coming in and saying, can we sing more hymns? Because I know that serves the 78-year-old. Like, that's the mind of Christ as we consider others' interests more important than our own. And so I want to I wanna model that. I want to teach that. I want to um, encourage that. Uh, and so that's what we seek to cultivate. And, and you're going to the right places, Ephesians 2. Um, He's broken down dividing walls of hostility by creating himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And, uh, and later on in that chapter, it talks about how we're, and Rick was talking about this morning, we're being built up into this temple. Mm -hmm. And uh, he didn't tease this out, but he mentioned it. Like, that means, if we're going to be fitted together into a temple, that means that these stones, they've got to be chiseled and fashioned. And, um, I mean, I don't know if you've ever chiseled a stone, but, like, that's not comfortable for the stone. Uh, because parts of that stone are being cut off and uh, it's, they're being cut off so they can fit together with others and, and that's us um, and so it's I mean, theologically like these are, the, these are the concepts and ideas we've got to build into our people so, uh, so that's, that's where I start and that's where I think it has to start because um, that's the gospel and that's the effects of the gospel on, on the church um, the other thing that I'd be thinking about and so my congregation is actually quite diverse. I mean, we've got about half of the church are kind of 55 and up, and half of the church is kind of 20s and 30s um, and, and younger. And uh, so young families and empty nesters and, and retired people is kind of that's where, that's where it's at, those two, two extremes. And, um, and then we're also in an area that's very ethnically diverse, very, very diverse. And uh, we want our church to be reflective of our community. And so I come in knowing first I need to know that like I have a uh, I I express a culture and so and I need to acknowledge I need to be aware of that and I need to acknowledge that and often we're unaware of that church leaders where we think that like oh no like I'm just being biblical it's like well you are but it's contextualized mm -hmm. in the sense that you are an expression of of these things 
And that's fine. And there's something in the glory of God seeing that. So in, in my context, so I mean, one thing I'll say at different points is like, I'm, I'm a white guy, and I grew up in a pretty white world, uh, singing a lot of kind of white songs written by white people. And, uh, and that's who I am, and that's my background, and um, that's not something I, I need to apologize for, but I need to be aware of, so that I can then be dying to myself and pushing out from that. And, uh, and appreciating the glory of God that's expressed in the diversity of humanity. Because God made man in an image. Um, so, I want to be aware of those things, uh, but I also want to be aware that what I win people with is what I'm going to win people to. And so, I don't ever want to be building um, diversity for the sake of diversity. And, uh, and I think that's the that can be the danger in these conversations. Um, I don't think that means you don't have these conversations. That's just the danger. And so, you can go to a football game, and there's a lot of diversity there. There can be. I mean, so generational diversity, you have ethnic diversity, class diversity. There's all kinds of diversity there, uh, but that's not the kind of diversity we're after. Like, what we're, we're not after an experience that unites people, which when we look to uh, music as the answer to our diversity problems, that's ultimately what we're kind of doing. We're saying, like, what experience can I create that's going to break down all these dividing walls? And the Bible's quite clear that what breaks down the dividing walls of hostility is Jesus Christ. And so I want to win people with Christ. Um, so you give people a vision for that, and, and then you cultivate relationships. And uh, and then as you those people come, it's it's you're having those again Philippians two conversations. Um, just like how can we serve you, and how can we, um, yeah, how can we die to ourselves to serve you because you are the reason we exist as a church. Um, not you individually necessarily, uh, but it's it's the lost and the hurting and the broken in this world, and. Um, yeah, so that's that's who, who we want to be. And I mean, as Paul says, we want to be all things to all people. And it's in that sense that we are, as we proclaim that truth. So I know that's a little bit more on the philosophical side than the kind of practical, what does this look like? But I do think that's the task of each church to consider. Um, and so when I think about the songs we do, I just, we, we have an unprecedented wealth of songs to choose from. And, uh, and so, I mean, that goes back centuries, and that, that spreads out across kind of this contemporary, uh, contemporary music, let's just say. And uh, there are so many songs we can be singing, and we have access to them all. Where in the past, we were restricted to whatever was printed in that hymnal, and then we had to wait 20 years until the next hymnal was printed, and that's the new song we can do. But I can do a new song this week that our church has never heard, and that I could, I could do a song this Sunday that I've never heard. Uh, and that would have been impossible in, in throughout most of human history. Um, so we have this unprecedented wealth, and so I want to I want to sing the very best songs, and I want my people to be equipped with the very best songs, keeping in mind our context, um, but not not being driven exclusively by that context. Like I, I don't want to sing. I do want to sing songs people that want to sing, but I don't want to just sing songs that people want to sing. I want to sing songs that people need to sing. And uh, so that's going to drive that. So I want, I'm going to, if I've got a lot of younger people in my congregation, I'm going to want to sing some of those older songs because they need to know that there are, uh, God has been doing something that has lasted a lot longer yeah. than you've been alive. <laughs> and you're, you're entering a story uh, that God has been at work. God's, as he's built his kingdom, um, that trend will transcend your generation. It goes way back before your generation. It's going to go way beyond your generation. Um, 
And same thing with older people. I want them to know that you're a part of something that has a future. And so, and this is an expression of that future. Um, and so, in, you know, it's what I started with Philippians 2. It's best work cultivating, building the people. And, you, and, I, and we talk about that. We've been articulated before. We don't just do something without ever telling people why we're doing it. I mean, regularly, for us throughout our service, regularly, we're reminding people of why we're doing what we're doing. Because we, we forget. We forget, and then we also have new people coming in. And so we want to remind them of why we do what we do. Um, and one of the ways we do that is like on the back of our, we, have a, we print an order service card every week. And on the back of that, uh, not every week, but maybe once or twice a month, all, all on the back of it, it'll have like, why do we do what we do? And so why do we do a call to worship? And they'll have a little blurb on why we have a call to worship. Or why do we sing such old songs? Or why do we sing new songs? Or I mean, whatever it is. Um, why do we have scripture reading? Just reminding people, this is why we do what we do. And that, that, that's a helpful helpful tool. Really, really quickly and practically, um, teaching people is really important. And yeah, I remember a previous pastor I worked with would, would say it's occasionally, uh, particularly for an all-age service, when you've got really young children and older people, all in the whole time, he would say things like, um, a service like this is a bit like Christmas lunch. Um, no one's going to have their ideal meal, but it's, you, you're, you come together and deny your preferences for the sake of being together. Um, I was, I was really helpful, very mm. pithy and practical way to just teach people. And, and when people do come and say, why are we singing so many songs? Uh, in my heart, I'd probably be like, no, no, no. But actually, <laughs> um, there is an opportunity to teach something, there isn't it, and just share some things that nobody said. Um, I think also, just on a musical level, uh, uh, don't have one way you do the song, and that's it. Don't have one way you do this, this yeah. is our way of doing this song. Well, hang on a minute. If, firstly, is it serving the, the, this word preached today? Is it rightly emphasising the truth in this song? Because songs have many points of emphasis. Um, what is it for this week that we want people to go away with? Why don't we start with the chorus? Because that really nails it. Why don't we repeat this verse? Because that really, you know, uh, let's, you know, we don't always have to go quiet on the verse on the cross and then build the verse on the resurrection. We don't always have to do that. <laughs> um, uh, and, and as we vary those things, um, and we vary even musical style, for the sake of those who uh, are, are not the mainstream um, uh, demographic in our congregation, that's serving them, and it might be serving those who aren't yet in our congregation, but could be. Um, so, so on a practical level, with arranging songs, as Bob would say, uh, so you don't have to, you know, we've basically given this seminar as well. You didn't know you were going to the press. No, there you go. But think about the way you're doing that, both for that service, but also for those who might not be those who love this particular style. It's different. When it comes to that whole conversation on diversity and sacrifice, considering other people's interests more important than their own, I think we, we also want to be consciously presenting the joy that's there. Um, I mean, we're, we're presenting God's good and beautiful design for his people. Um, and, uh, and, I mean, this is, this is where our world is right now. I mean, we're, we're in a very diverse world, more diverse than it's ever been before, as far as our context are concerned. And this is where the church is headed. And, uh, and it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. Um, and so it, when we are dying to ourselves, there's life and joy to be found there. And that's really good. Uh, so this is it's not, I mean, I like the, the Christmas lunch yeah. idea. Yeah. Um, 
but it's not. I don't want somebody coming away thinking like, yeah, yeah, I kind of graduated yesterday. I get what I get, and I don't grow a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, that's not what we're trying to cultivate. Where no, like, look at God's good plan for this people, right. that's good. and there's so much joy there. So. Excellent, great. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, just give us who you are, Rob. Um, this may may not be a distinctive you guys hold. I don't know or not. So if it is, just ignore it. Um, so you're talking a lot about how you structure things and how you go from song to song, you've got this, then you're going to have this, then you're going to have that. Um, I come from more of a kind of reformed but continuationist. I say continuationist on purpose rather than charismatic, I think by that it helps probably say where the, the excesses we don't go for and the what well, we do believe. Um, so from that kind of being Bible people, but also being spirit kind of people. Um, how do you guys feel? Just be interested to hear because I haven't even heard that perspective from yeah. within the guys here. Um, where do you see that within your corporate gatherings? How do you veer with those? How do you? I, I used to, with the team I led, used to absolutely say to them, you need to plan to be spontaneous, mm-hmm. which sounds kind of weird, but. Um, to kind of screw up, but if you don't plan to be spontaneous, you often won't go there, you just stick to where you are. So, how do you guys handle that? Do you handle that? If you don't, that's absolutely fine, you'll have different convictions. <laughs> that's a great question. Um, the uh, one, I mean, one thing I did emphasize in planning, it's very dependent on the spirit. And so, the spirit yes. is present and active mm-hmm. even in the planning. Yes. And as a, as a reformed continuationist, um, I don't want to. Forget that or pass that by, and uh, and think I can. You'll see charismatics fall into the trap of thinking that spontaneous is more godly. Yeah. And uh, no, that's yeah. <laughs> Actually, maybe it's not as helpful sometimes. <laughs> and um, so, just because it's yeah, spontaneous doesn't mean it's been extra blessed. Uh, but that said, uh, so the Holy Spirit's at work in the planning. Um, in in the actual service, uh, I mean, God is there. God is present. I'm not ashamed to say that. And uh, <laughs> we were having a conversation about it earlier. He's not ashamed to say it either. That oh, sure. Sure. That was, yeah, was the conversation. <laughs> don't ever be ashamed that God is present. It's not what I said. <laughs> Carry on. The, uh, I, I prioritize flexibility. <laughs> and uh, and um, yeah. so I'm always willing and completely okay with doing something different. And so whether that be with a particular element um, of the liturgy or whether that be with a song, I mean, oftentimes, uh, like a song of response, for instance, that's something that it's a while. I mean, I normally try to have something in mind, but uh, the preacher's preaching and I'm thinking, you know what, this song, I think, serve people more effectively. That's one expression of just being spontaneous. And and I want to have the um, structure in place where I can do that. And so structures being like, we're going to be able to project lyrics, and um, I'm going to be able to tell the band, oh, don't worry about coming up, because I, you're not going to have charts to play, I'll just come up by myself, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Those kind of things, whatever it looks like, um, I want to have that flexibility. And I'm willing to sacrifice something on the, uh, I don't want to really use this word, but I can't think of a better word right now, kind of on the excellence scale, let's say, in order to have that flexibility. Uh, so I mentioned earlier churches in the states a lot use multi-tracks and I just wouldn't do it just because of what I would lose when it comes to being spontaneous 
Um, or if we have a congregational mic, and so uh, there's an elder who's presiding over that, and so if somebody in the congregation um, has, has a word, something they want to share to edify the body, they'll come up to that elder and, and share with them, and then the elder would, I, mean, I see that person come up as well, and so the elder would kind of be like, yeah, and uh, so this is all kind of happening on the fly, and um, I'll, if I was playing with multi-track, I would not have an opportunity to kind of change our plans or for that person to share. But we have the flexibility to do that, and uh, so they'll, they'll come up and share, and then I might pray in response to that or encourage people in some way and sometimes remind people so what, what just happened. Um, while not inspired in any way. I mean, it's not the inspired word of God. It's not on the same level of God's word, but it's, it's meant for encouragement. And as we gather together, different gifts are functioning in different ways. And that's just one expression of a gift that's meant to edify and build up the body of Christ. And so that's, that's what it looks like week to week for us. So to plan and pray really, really hard. And then when you're in a service, continue to pray really, really hard because God is present with us and we're expecting him to be at work. And there have been times where uh, the pastor's been preaching and um, has, uh, one time I remember recently, ended up saying something slightly different in the moment than he had planned to. Uh, and so I texted the guy on the process and said, can we sing this song instead? And we just did that song instead because it fitted much better where he planned it. Also the tone of it. Uh, the song afterwards, I was a bit like, well, no. Let's <laughs> change that, um, and that's fine. Um, if, if you're actually leading music, don't stop praying either. It might be oh, we, people are really you know enjoying that chorus, and it's it's the truth we're trying to drive to people. So let's do it again. Um, don't be so bound to the, the plan. The other thing is in your planning, um, don't plan for you know 90 minutes of or whatever it is of of stuff if you've got 90 minutes. Um, leave room for an extra chorus or. Or whatever, you know, leave room for these things because uh, if you don't, it's going to be pretty hard. Um, yeah, right here. Tell us who you are. Um, I'm Emily, I'm at a church in Bristol called Manning Church. Um, Prince of introducing new songs rather than a philosophical <laughs> new song versus old song debate, which I suspect we should all continue for hours. <laughs> when you decide you like a song and it's going to work really well with a package and you think it's going to be the theme for the next few weeks of your series on loop or whatever, which mm-hmm. we're doing then, um, how do you introduce that new song? We've tried an awful lot of different ways to our church, from teaching it by us singing it to them in a reflective time, to us singing the call and response to sort of uh, um, two parts of it to introducing it, listening to the track as they come in, <laughs> to doing it at the end of the service, beginning of the service. Mm. What's best? How, do, how do you go about I'll tell you what we do. I often say, like, you know, uh, on the church Twitter account, we're learning this new song. So wait for Sunday so we get to hear it. Um, I make sure the musicians have heard it, don't they? Particularly for those who are totally non-musical, 
there's less distracting things going on. So you've just got one instrument, one voice, okay, that's all you've got to focus on. And I teach it in, in stages. It depends how big those chunks are on how powerful the song is to learn. Uh, but you might do a verse, uh, you might and then do a chord, yes, you whistle it, you sing it back sort of thing. Um, you might give a bigger chunk if it's a harder like, song, like you do, do two verses and then go backwards if, it, if it's slightly harder. Or, um, don't be afraid to say, yep, you nearly got that, let's just run that again. Because the worst thing is you learn the song wrong and then everyone sings it wrong for the rest of the life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, almost, let's try that, that's fine. Um, uh, when, when we're singing <coughs> with the congregation, I'll get any other vocalist with me, particularly if I've got a female vocalist. There's something about girls pick out a girl and guys pick out a guy. Yeah. I just don't know how that works, but that seems to be the case in my experience. So, but I'll get them to sing tune because, again, if you add in those harmonies, people just sing the harmony instead of the actual tune sometimes, I think. Um, and we might get the rest of the band going if people are comfortable with it. Um, so that's kind of what we do. Um, yeah, we, we, we tend to play music off of a, a, an iPod before the service, but. Um, you know what I mean? <laughs> Spotify streaming down there, whatever. Uh, but um, I don't think people are aware of it. Uh, so I haven't tended to do that. But yeah, send the link out if you can, and then cut up in chunks and play as simple as you can. Uh, and uh, when I'm teaching a song, I'm thinking uh, of a sort of uh, 2 1 1. So two weeks in a row, do the same song, give it a rest, and do it again. And by that point, you can work out is this song really working? Are people, is this song helping the words run through? Uh, which is what I mean by working. Um, is, is, it, is it being beneficial to people? Is it a music process? If not, can it? Uh, but you've got to know how to, how to kill a song as well as when to teach one. I mean, do you have anything to add to that? I would, um, I do almost the exact same thing uh, in, in, in teaching songs. I mean, there's, I think there's a, it's not like a, there's just this one way to do it, and I appreciate that you're saying that you try different, all these different things. I think you just keep doing those things, uh, playing the song before the <coughs> service. As people are walking in or out, like that's fine. It's helpful, um, but I think when it comes down to it, at some point you do have to teach the melody of the song because we—I don't know if any of you guys are, but I know most of the people that I know are not singing from hymnals and are not um, sighting. They can't sightsee, and um, so it's like they can hear it. And so there's going to be some part of our service that we're teaching. Hey, this, we're going to sing this new song. Here's why. Listen as we sing this part and this part, and then I'll invite you to join in, something like that. Um, because you wanted a philosophical answer. <laughs> the, uh, the one thing I would add is, and what drives all of this, is this conviction that our role as we're leading singing is to support the singing of the congregation. And that's what's going to inform these kinds of things. And so whatever I need to do to help people sing, that's what I want to do. And so the things that he's describing, that's what they're all about. Um, so for us, you know, even just in the language that we use and that I use with the people that are serving week to week, it's instead of talking about them as the music team or the worship team or how, whatever I want to call them, volunteer, like I talk about them as like supporting the singing. Like that's what we're here to do. And so when I'm praying beforehand, Father, help us as we prepare to support the singing of our church. And, um, and then that, for me, that's been really helpful because that informs the decisions that we make. It informs what we play. It informs when we teach new songs, how we teach new songs, mm -hmm. um, all that kind of stuff. We want our church to sing well, mm -hmm. yeah. and that's what we're seeking to do, support the singing. So, and we do the same thing, three out of five, that's generally what I think. I want to do this song three times in the next five weeks. Mm -hmm. And if it's terrible the first time, I'm okay just killing it. Um, 
Yeah. And I think it's about having reasonable expectations about going back to your right up on necessity capacity, how yeah. many songs, new songs you can actually introduce to your congregation yeah. over the course of the year, and being realistic that you don't want to be introducing a new one every week. You know, we, we probably introduce, I don't know, Joe's here, eight a year, maybe. He's on the front row, maybe a few more. It depends, you know, different seasons. You know. Yeah, I don't even know what it takes, but we we have a slight, like in our liturgy, we do similar thing up front to you guys, call to worship, song, scripture reading, certain things, more song. Preaching. Songs are response, but then when we get to the offering, like the, there's announcements and offering, and we use our offering slot when everybody's sat down for the bands to play it through. We make sure that the lyrics are on the screen, because if you don't see it as well as listen to it, you don't take it in, I don't think, because you want to see the lyrics so yep. we use the, the offering slot so that we're accompanying our offering with worship as well, like the singing and, and so forth. So we find that that's quite a useful time. And we would do two or three weeks of it in the offering before we introduce it corporately into the, actually we sing it as a congregation. And then if it's not working in the offering, it's like, let's <laughs> not do that one again. <laughs> so, but I think it's about having good expectations about how much you how many new songs you're singing. Well, this is the thing because uh, I don't have a number of how many songs we teach in a year. I tend to teach songs that really go with the theme and they have mm-hmm. kind of a, bit, a, bit, a bit of an anthem and a theme for the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, sometimes you say, I'm not going to learn any songs I say today, I'm going to wait for the same thing we So we don't learn loads, I think we probably learned three in the last year, it's not very many. But the thing is, you've got to consider it's a little bit of one in, one out. Uh, mm-hmm. it that's not absolutely hard and fast rule, but mm-hmm. with the capacity thing, there's only so many songs that your church mm-hmm. is going to keep in their head for you to sing regularly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's some quick maths you can have out on this. So five, if you do five songs on a Sunday, uh, and then uh, was it that's five times fifty-two? Yeah. Well, that's two hundred sixty song slots, yeah. and you're going to want to sing some of those more than once. Basically, what was that? I think we do about eighty. Yeah. Um, okay. Songs. Seventy. So that's not yeah, a lot. My dad would do 115 <coughs> or so. Okay, so that kind of ballpark. Um, and I, I remember when I first like, looked into this, the church was at the time, was at about 250 <laughs> in a year. And that means they sat once and then never again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, so actually, thinking, let's just not add songs endlessly. Uh, but, but if you're going to teach a new song, mm-hmm. does it say the same thing as another song? Can we ditch that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, but also, uh, you yeah. know, also, many remembering things like the you know the um, the balance across you want you don't want to lose all your old hymns because you're teaching a new song. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe forgo the teaching the new song for the sake of those who really love that hymn. So yeah, well, if that's something you just look at year over year too, it's also mm-hmm. something that you want to look at over. I mean, you're you're, you're playing the long game. You're really for the long haul. Mm-hmm. And so is this is this a song that I can see us singing in not just this year more, but yeah. in five years mm-hmm. or yes. in ten years or in twenty years? And those songs that we can see ourselves singing in 20 years, those are really the songs that we want to be doing mm-hmm. and making sure we have. The other ones, I mean, there, there are times and seasons for them, yeah. um, and that's fine, but it's just, we're not going to major on those. I want to, most of the songs we sing, I want to see them having a long shelf life in our church. Could I interject something just, uh, you can just specifically about saying, me, one thing that we sort of knew about a year or two ago, which from a teaching standpoint is when we take the time to teach a new song like you guys do, especially if it's a lot of times we'll pick one that's on topic and we don't have to do it right. We'll sing it again at the end of the service. So they sort of learned it, yep. take it okay. up, and then we'll bring it back in at the end and like, okay, now we know it. Yep. And, it's a, and that really has been a good thing for us. That's good. Yeah. 
Um, just in terms of your diary planning, how long would you schedule to do your planning for Sunday? So I plan two services on Sunday. So it takes twice as long. Yeah. Uh, I plan out a whole morning to do that. Um, but then after that, there's various conversations with preachers. Uh, we have a meeting as our staff team on a Thursday uh, for an hour where we spend most of our time praying for the congregation. But we do just check in on the service. And I say to the preachers, are you definitely happy with that final song? Because by that point, it's gone to musicians. And I don't really want to change the front end of the service too much because they, they're planning arrangements. Uh, but they have the right of refusal until Friday afternoon. So they're working very hard next time and they think, do you know what, I think the Holy Spirit is saying to us this rather than what I thought initially. So can we do this and change the final? Yeah, totally fine. Uh, so a morning of prep for the two services. Uh, and you do get quicker with practice, I suppose. <coughs> um, uh, and then, but then also the conversations, the times to speak to the preachers, the times to communicate with service leaders, hey, can you join these dots, please? At these points, um, so it, it, there's there's a bit more time than just the planning time, um, but but that's what I would do. Yeah, it's hard. I would say it's hard to. Um, it's not just like this is the only time I'm planning. It's something that I'm thinking about regularly. So in the morning, as I'm reading God's Word, this is a category that's in my mind. It's not primary by any means, but it's there. So there's that kind of stuff. Um, but I would say normally it'd be kind of anywhere from thirty to an hour. 30 minutes to an hour that I'm actually sitting down and planning out our service. Um, uh, but that's also, I've been doing it a lot for a long time. Um, what about when you were, because you're both from time, so that's different. Whereas many yep. guys here will probably be doing it alongside second, well, their primary job. So when, when you were working, well, what lead in? What's different now for me is I'm planning the whole service, other than, I mean, I'm, I, the text has already been determined that somebody's preaching from, uh, but I'm planning all the other elements of the service and who's going to be responsible for them. So that I wouldn't have used to have done that. I would have just planned really the songs. Sure. And that's a far easier task than taking really as much time. Um, so I would say normally that would be more kind of half an hour when I was doing volunteer for a number of years. Yeah. Um, and then, so that's that kind of initial, but then there can be back and forth um, over the over the course of it. But in a given week, I would say, because you've got administrative responsibilities as well, so communicating to people and making sure everything's in order and projections, stuff like that. So it ends up being kind of a few hours. Um, if I had somebody else that was doing this week to week, which I wouldn't unless they were in older, as far as actually planning the whole thing, but the uh, week to week, it'd probably be, I would say, yeah, three or four hours, kind of what I, I wouldn't necessarily expect. If he does less, that's fine. But that's how I'd be thinking about it, probably. Um, so I'm Jess, and I'm at this church, and I um, yeah, do a lot of the music here. I'm quite new to it. Um, I know you mentioned about when you're planning services, they're kind of in the back of your mind, and that's true for me. How do you make sure that you're not you know, having a relationship with God and always thinking, I'll say that at the front, that would be great when I lead worship. How do you like make sure that it doesn't, your relationship with God doesn't become about this is what I'm like when I lead well, worship? Like uh, Psalm 119, that's a great question. Um, I think it's Psalm 119, verse 18. Uh, 18. Open my eyes. I'm trying to memorize more of it. Um, <laughs> I heard, on a separate note, I heard uh, John Piper say a couple years ago, he said, I'm 70 years old and I work on Bible memory every day. It's like, I mean, John Piper's a pretty godly guy, and uh, he's 70, and he's doing that every day. So 
like I could probably step up my game. The <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, open my eyes and I may behold wondrous things out of your law. And so that's I mean every day that's kind of a prayer that I'm seeking to pray, and uh, that's where we want to live. Um, so right now for me, I mean even with that in mind, your question in mind right now for me, I'm spending a lot of time in Psalm 119, and uh, I've been there just a couple months and just meditating on it, memorizing it. Um, that's where we want to be. I don't. I think we can. You want to be able to separate out like there. You shouldn't feel guilt. That you you're carrying this concern for God's people as you're reading God's word, you shouldn't. Um, but when it becomes about if you're reading God's word for the sake of uh, I want performance in one sense, that's when it's that's when it's a problem, and that's when you have to deal with your heart. Mm-hmm. And that um, I don't know. I mean, how would you guys deal with this? Those are just some initial thoughts. Did you? I mean, it's the same for a preacher. I think as a preacher, I deal with it more than when I'm planning services. I don't think you can completely divorce the two. I think that's the thing. So, like I said earlier, and you shouldn't. And like I said earlier, we want to guard against the scriptures just becoming a tool that we wield for ministry. But they are a tool. But we just don't want them just to be a tool alone. We want it to be a treasure and and a tool that serves that we use. And so, uh, always, always in my personal reading. I'm always, you know, struck by so many things. Actually, I wonder if this might be something to put in my back pocket for later for the Lord to use on Sunday. Or, hey, that's when I get to preach this. I'm going to scribble these thoughts down in the journal right now to think about those things a little bit more. Um, so you never completely divorce the two. But what I'm trying to make sure when I get to the end of my personal private devotion, so I never use that time for sermon study or. I, it's always designed for feeding my soul, so that uh, I forget who it said, but you know, the task of the day is it George Muller who said the task of the day is to make my soul happy in God. Yeah. That's where I want to get to in my devotions. And then, if my soul is happy in God, there's going to be natural overspill into all of the things that I'm doing. But that's not maybe my primary focus. So I don't just want to read it with the, with everybody else in mind. I want to read it for me first, so that God addresses my heart, and then it overflows into and having a clear plan for what you're doing individually helps with that yes. so it's not I'm not mm-hmm. I don't want to ever be going to I mean so I talked about uh, starting from scripture I don't want to think okay well tomorrow morning I need to plan Sunday so I'm going to start my devotions looking for what I'm going to do for the call to worship mm-hmm. like that would kind of subvert the purpose of yes. what I should be doing in the morning so. Good. That's, yeah, that's great. That's great question <laughs> yes great question Hi, I'm Tara, uh, James. Um, just in terms of trying to communicate to people who are leading the services who may not be on staff or um, who are all the time and training and that kind of thing, especially with like a high turnover, how do you practically do that as well as still giving them autonomy without just like giving them information up in an email or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> so you're like a student. I'm exactly the same position as you. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we've got uh, often the church elders uh, who aren't on staff will lead or, or a staff member in one of those two. So if it's staff, it's fairly easier yeah. uh, to actually have a you know, conversation with them. I mean, in London, life is crazy, and so and our elders are crazy stations, life with young kids and stuff. So it's kind of hard. Mm. Um, so we. 
I have started recently uh, earlier in the week is good. <laughs> so if I know roughly what we're doing, it gives me a bit of time and I'll say, um, yeah, here it is. Hi, thanks so much for leaving the service. Uh, and I give people, this is the passage, you know, linked to the Bible anyway. Uh, the, the theme of the service is that we, and, and then give them those sort of that gospel shape. And then I give them the service with all the liturgy included in it, mm. with little lines, normally could you pray here to the effect of mm. this? Um, yeah, and it, it's, it's what I said, yeah, I, I, I'm younger than most of these guys, they're my elders, so I, I, yeah, but, but I've thought a lot about this, so I want to, there's a tension, I want to be respectful, and I'm not just saying, you must say this, but uh, I'm just yeah, trying to get it out. And, and the response to that has been, thank you so much, this is really helpful, rather than, who are you and why are you telling me what to do? Um, so, uh, yeah, you, you've thought about this, God has put you in that place to do that ministry, and I think um, yeah, well, I've found people have been quite grateful. And I've just started in the last few weeks emailing those who are leading the prayers and doing the same thing. This is the theme of the service. You might find it helpful to pray on these lines. In fact, here's a psalm that might help you. Uh, and people have been really grateful. Um, and it's, it, is, it is training and teaching people to. What that says to people is, oh, I'm connecting dots here, I'm, and I'm praying from scripture, and I'm using the word, and, and that's all valuable. So, so I, that's been my experience. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and if you have um, uh, if you have a context for it, I would look for on Sunday mornings to do exactly what that email does. Yes. Yeah. And just walking through it with everybody, and yeah. and something I've appreciated my dad does consistently. And so we'll go places, and I remember we were doing like a 14 song kind of walk through the gospel uh, with musicians we'd never played with before <coughs> and a place we'd never been before and uh, we, for whatever reason we had basically like 45 minutes of sound check, I mean this includes sound check and actually like writing some of these songs and writing the songs? Writing for these songs oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wait, you've not left yourself enough time <laughs> But my dad gets up, up there and we're, I mean, meeting the musicians in one sense and <coughs> talks about what we're going to do and spends a long time talking about what we're going to do. And I'm kind of like, I mean, we kind of And uh, he's like, no, like, this is far more important. Um, and this, this is that, why we get And that is, that's the temptation, is it? And I, I do this as my temptation is, okay, let's get plugged in off a go. Uh, and we intentionally, you know, we skip the stage and other stuff. We have 15 minutes at the start of every rehearsal to talk through this is the passage, this is what it's saying to us, and this is how these songs fit yep. with this. Yep. Mm -hmm. And what that does is it sets our hearts in the wrong place because this is a spiritual ministry before it's a practical one. Um, mm -hmm. It is both, but we've got to have our hearts in the right place. And, and, and it, it does teach people we are walking through the gospel here, and, and these songs. These are the points of emphasis in these songs, and that genuinely changes what we're doing about because um, we're thinking about that. And so, and you can't do anything more beneficial than that. Yeah. In those first 15 minutes, I'd much rather have less rehearsal time and have real time to get to the word. Um, Can I sound like it's been really good for training? Yeah. One of the things we discussed in the church is the difficulty of bringing up new worship leaders, but actually just those things of taking people through how you've done what you've done. Uh, in the room in the coffee and in the upstairs room in the back corner 
there's question cards and tabs and boxes. You can just drop your questions in tomorrow afternoon. We've got a Q&A. So you can ask about anything that you've heard in a seminar or in a main session or just burning questions that you've got you wanted to post to Bob, or Rick, Jared. So you can just do that as well. But time for one more. We've got anybody else with them. Yes, tell us who you are. Gareth from Bridgewater. Um, uh, children's songs. I mean, you sort of mentioned about trying to have songs that cover but do you still introduce sort of songs that are specifically geared towards the children? How do you do that? Sort of That's a great question. Um, specifically, no. And the reason why is that uh, I don't want, I want to be careful with anything that, with any, it doesn't have to be children, it could be any segment of our church um, where I'm cultivating them this idea that in order for them to really engage and receive, it needs to be targeted to them. And I think we've unwittingly done that in a lot of, it's well-intentioned, uh, but in a lot of contexts. So I want to be careful with that. Um, that said, I want people to be aware, I want our children to be aware that God's word is just relevant to them as it is to everyone else there. And so it gets back to kind of that simple and clear um, and consistent because uh, that, that helps cultivate that. I heard uh, somebody once say, we're much better at raising fans than we are at raising Christians. And uh, that really stuck with me. And and so in the context of the, in, outside of the church, I'm, I'll take my five-year-old to a base, uh, baseball game or football game here. And... Uh, we will go, and I'll give him the t-shirt, and I'll give him the popcorn, and I'll explain what's going on, and it's not very pleasant necessarily to take my child there, but um, I want to, I want it to be enjoyable as possible for him, and I want him to process what's going on, because I've got this vision of enjoying this with him for the rest of our lives, and cultivating this relationship, I mean, this be a part of our relationship together. So I'm willing to make these sacrifices, and I'll do it joyfully. It's a joyful sacrifice that I make. Um, but there's nothing that, that the event is doing to accommodate to him necessarily. But it's something that I'm doing as his parent, as I come alongside, and helping him engage with this. Um, and then on top of that, I've got people around me when I take my son to this game, this sporting event, who are excited that he's there. And they're, they want him to have a good time. And they're also like, I mean, giving him high fives and explaining what's going on and cheering with him. And um, I mean, when he's crying, they're putting their arm around him, whatever. Total strangers. But they also want him to be a part of this community that we have. So it's a sporting event. And then we come to church, and those those ideas and categories are so far from us. And um, how much more important? How much more of a future do we have? How much more do we have to look forward to? as Christ's body and wanting to see those children following the Lord and being a part of this community. Uh, how much more should we be willing to make those sacrifices in helping explain what's going on and, and helping them be engaged? Um, so it's you, you need an awareness both from a leadership standpoint and are we singing things that they can engage with? So uh, my six-year-old's favorite song right now is his Mercy's More. He, he goes to the public school in our area and uh, He's filling out a little, they had their first week of school a month ago or so, after summer break, and he's filling out like All About Me, and one of the things is favorite music. And he put, I, un, unbeknownst to me, he put church music, like that's his favorite music. And, uh, but I mean, so his mercy, our sins there are many, his mercy is more. Yeah, he can sing it. 
How great is our God? Sing with me. How great is our God? I think that the four-year-old can probably get there. <laughs> and, uh, and so we want to make sure there is clear... The songs we are singing are not so complicated they can't take it. And so and it's, it's shocking to me, as a father of four young children, how much our kids can memorize. And, yeah. Yeah. and I mean, like, I think it's like, oh, no, they can't handle uh, four verses to come to the ministry. And all of my kids know come to the ministry. And, um, I mean, it's like, and they, they, didn't, they didn't ever, I didn't ever have to teach it to them. Once it, it was just because they gather with us each week, and that's a song that we sing with some regularity, mm-hmm. and they know it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I want them growing up with that truth. Um, not, and it, I mean, I think there's a place for kids' songs, and we do kids' albums, so it's obviously, so as far as I'm greatest, we have kids' albums. It's not like this is a terrible endeavor in a couple ways, but I don't want them thinking, oh no, if, if I'm going to benefit, it's really got to be like all about me and geared towards me. So. We, we have introduced some of the kids', songs, the kids songs, yeah. off of the Song of Grace albums into us. Sunday gatherings for adults to sing as well, not because they're necessarily kids' songs, but because we think the hey, truth is so clear, the truth is so clear yeah. and so good that all of us can engage in them. Yeah. Uh, and then when and the other thing that we do is when our kids go out, they're in for the, the singing part. They go out to their for their classes during the sermon, but then they will often do one or two songs out there themselves. But they're not kids' songs either. They're songs that we would sing on Sunday mornings, so that they can engage with them when they come in. And we have a very small and limited repertoire that the kids do. Yeah, yeah we're doing, uh, I was just emailing a couple days ago, I have a girl who's going to organize a children's choir for um, our service at Christmas time. And uh, and what we did last year, and we'll do this, this year again, is like, I don't want it to be primarily about performance. I mean, there's, there's a part of it where, yeah, as a church, we're just going to enjoy these children and it's going to be entertaining. And uh, <laughs> as, they, as they proclaim these glorious truths, there is that aspect of it. But I want more than that for them to be able to participate in what we're doing. And so I see this as an opportunity to equip these kids with songs that we can sing as a church. And so it's uh, they'll be up there for the entirety of our singing. So I, I mean, I told the girl the songs that we're going to be doing, and they're going to do one song that's kind of special, and then the other ones we're just all going to sing congregationally, and they're just going to be up there singing with us. It's like just another opportunity for them to learn new songs and, and engage with Christ's body. Okay. Excellent. Of course. Of course. Um, just some of these things to talk about arranging songs, uh, teaching songs and stuff. Um, I've been part of writing a course for music leaders specifically for UK churches, which is called the Dwell Richly Course. It's coming out in February. You can come and ask me about it if you want. Uh, but it's designed to address some of these questions in a quick chat. Is this the one you sent me ages ago? Uh, yeah, it's, yeah it's good. It's really good. But that might just be useful, and I think people know more about that. Excellent. So, thank you very much. Thanks to you guys.